Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 50. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, we have someone who's a little bit different. James Gutierrez is the CEO and co-founder of Inseekt, and that is I-N-S-I-K-T, but it's a Swedish word, which he gets to at the end of the show, why his company is named that way. But anyway, he has created a company that is pushing the envelope in in many different areas. He, He coined the term lending as a service, and he's really sort of put a stake in the ground saying this is really going to be the future of marketplace lending and uh, he is going out and helping to create that future. But he's not just lending as a service. He's got a whole bunch of offerings for investors. He does um, some unique things with Lending Club and Prosper Loans, which we're going to get into. And they also, he also has a whole bunch of uh, you know research and analytics tools for investors. So we talk about all of that and more. I think it's a fascinating company and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, James. Thank you, Peter. I'm, I'm very happy to participate. Okay, so let's get started. I mean, you, you've got a bit of a different background to many of the people that I speak with. I mean, this is... Uh, You've been around this industry longer than most. You've had a you've got a successful company under your belt that I think is either about to go IPO or has. I can't remember what, whether where it's at. But anyway, why don't you share a bit of the background about yourself? What you have done before in Seek? Sure. Thanks, Peter. Well, you know, I, I grew up in Southern California, a Latino family neighborhood, and my parents always stressed the importance of giving back to the community. You know, when I was younger, I had saw, witnessed you know a lot of family members and, and, and people in the community who were very hardworking but didn't really get a fair shake by, uh, you know, the, the kind of system we have in the U.S. You know, the, the vision of that we still have the American dream and is it available to all, I think, has is, is been a bit challenged. And uh, particularly when you see people working three, four jobs, care about the American dream, providing for their family, and I felt like there's some level of social injustice there unless that gets fixed. So I went on and went to, I went to undergrad at Yale, went to Stanford for business school. When I was at Stanford, I started thinking about this a lot and I felt, hey, I want to start a company that solves this problem and gives opportunity more broadly and access to opportunity to people in America. Uh, I then read a book by Muhammad Yunus and how he had you know, built this innovative micro lending model in Bangladesh mm-hmm. and that had spread to other countries. And I was inspired by that and thought, you know, I'd love to figure out, you know, if we could bring that to the U.S. and also, you know, how to solve this unbanked problem. Because when I thought about access to opportunity, it matched up directly to access to capital. You know, if, if people in our communities, in this case, the Hispanic community, has more access to capital, we have a better opportunity to build wealth and move up the ladder uh, and get the American dream. So that meant a lot to me, and, and it was very personal. And uh, I thought about, you know, Jose and Maria, who in this country, they did more research, found that, look, if you don't have a credit score, you really don't have a face. And so I thought, you know, not only, you know, can we figure out access to capital, but we're also really giving people a financial identity in the U.S. if we could uh, figure out how to help them build credit. So I formed a research project uh, when I was in business school, and that project ended up turning into a company I founded called Progreso Financiero. So my background is 
you know, 10 years ago, I had no experience in consumer banking or lending, right. uh, but then I embarked on starting Progresso, <laughs> and that was really what got me into this whole space. And now, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the CEO and founder of Inseek, but that, that's a bit about my background, how I got into it. Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about Progresso Financiero before we move on. You know, what I, I, I like, can you just talk about how, like you said, you, it was a, it was a, you know, you didn't really have any experience in consumer lending and here you're, you're lending to people that most, you know, financial services companies would think are a highly, a highly risky, you know, population. So what, you know, how did you approach that and what did you do that, that others wouldn't or couldn't do? Sure. Yeah, that, that, you're right. That's the number one challenge we're facing. Uh, as, I, as I did research at, at business school, I, I figured out, I said, look, there's a data problem here. There's a lot of people in America that are part of this credit invisible where they just don't have a credit score or they, have, they don't have sufficient data in the credit bureau. And so the challenge is, you know, it feels risky. Can you really underwrite them? You know, are they going to be good credits? Going into it, I felt that uh, our community, Latino community, had a while they may not have formal credit history, they had what I used to call a lot was high moral collateral. So didn't have formal collateral, but had moral collateral. And so how could we figure out, you know, how to draw out information about them that would prove that they would be good credits? And so when I graduated, uh, the first thing I did was I said, okay, I need to go test that people actually need credit. There was a lot of data about the unbanked, but there wasn't really data about providing a credit product being the solution to solving the unbanked. So I told the professor, hey, you know, I just want to set up a booth inside a Latino supermarket, flip open a laptop, put up, put up a Progresso banner, and, uh, and start taking applications and seeing if people need credit. So I did that. Uh, the first uh, store was a, a small supermarket in San Jose called uh, Supermercado Mexico. And uh, we set up in a booth, and you can imagine Mexican music playing and lots of families <laughs> coming in, lots right. of people, and you know, ex, you know, ex-MBA sitting with a laptop there kind of out <laughs> in front of the cash registers. And so for a few days, nobody applied. Everybody kind of looked at me like, what's this guy doing? And then after t- uh, over time, I had the, uh, the, the actual teller woman who worked at the cash register uh, kind of felt sorry for us. And so she said, what are you doing? And I'll apply. And, and once she applied, then we started having a lot more people come to us. And so what we found out very soon is we did this really long, uh, imagine an eHarmony-like application, but for credit, for small loan. So for like a $1,000 loan. And we came up with uh, a very simple structure. You know, if I could explain the loan to someone who didn't have a lot of financial education, but it made dollars and cents, for them, it made sense from a dollars and cents perspective for them, then, then that was a win. So we came up with, hey, if I lend you $1,000 and you can make a payment of $60 every two weeks and you could do that for 10 months, if you can afford $60 and we'd ask people, can you afford a $60 payment? Say, yes, I can do that. Well, if you can do that, I can lend you 1000 and after 10 months, you'll pay me back $1,200. That's 20 payments times 60, 1200 And I would say, so, so if we lend you 1000 you'll pay us back 1200 What's your cost? And they would look at me and say, uh, that's 200 And I'd say, you're right. So $200, that's how it works. We lend you 1000 pay us back 1200 It's very simple. And that was really the key to our success is making the product extremely simple. Mm-hmm. I would then expect that had a 36% APR, and initially customers kind of, their heads would jolt a little and say, well, is it still $200? 
And I say, yeah, still $200 cost. And what we learned there was that in this market, people really cared about the dollar cost of their loan and APRs were important, but they knew that spending, you know, getting uh, a price of $200 to, to borrow 1000 spread over 10 months was a really good deal. Right. And I was able to break down that, look, you know, they knew there were other forms of credit that cost them 400% or much higher cost. And they also cared that they could build a credit history. So we had a lot of people apply who said, I just want to build credit. And that's why I'm here. I don't actually have a need for $1,000 yet, but I want to build credit because I know it's important. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of how we got started. And, you know, to answer your question about the scoring and, and underwriting, you know, we, like I said, we asked this eHarmony questionnaire and just because we didn't know which questions would ultimately stick and which answers that would be predictive down the road. And so we did that. I, you know, I, I kind of led that process in the beginning. And then I knew that, you know, one day we would have enough funding and we'd be big enough where we could hire some, you know, ex-Cap1 type folks to come in from the credit card industry and make sense of all this data and build much more of an automated, you know, big data type, you know, algorithms to uh, how we underwrote. But in the beginning, it was very, it was very basic. It was all about, you know, can you afford the loan? Do you have enough income relative to your expenses? And let me ask you, you know, 30 minutes of questions. That really was our R&D for, you know, what, what ultimately became a more robust model on, on, uh, on how to score people. Fascinating. That's that's an interesting way to get started. So, I mean, just just to close the loop on that, I know Progresso you know, rebranded to Opportune, and have they gone public yet, or are they about to go public? You know, I don't know. I'm, I've heard uh, a lot of rumors. There was a Wall Street Journal article. I've heard that they are uh, in in registration, but that's all that I've heard. Okay. I don't have any other inside knowledge, but I, you know, I've, I've heard uh, in the street that you know, I know the company's been successful. When I left, it was you know several tens of millions of revenue and, and I know it's it's now in the hundreds of millions. So I, I'm sure it you know, I'm proud of what we built. Uh, you know, just fast forward I you're right, I had no experience in consumer lending, but you know, as seven years I was a CEO and, and built it up to a very large business. Uh, I think when I left we were close to two hundred thousand active borrowers. We were originating like twenty thousand loans a month, so we had a, a pretty big, you know, book of business. Uh, and very proud. You know, we change a lot of lives, transform a lot of lives. And, you know, Opportunity, as it's now called, is has a great heritage and history. And, and we were able to hire, I think, some of the best and brightest people to help us mm-hmm. you know, build that early success, uh, which, you know, as now they've been able to scale it, you know, even further. Right. So so let's just move on now to Inseeked. You started this after Opportune. Just Tell us exactly what, well, firstly, why you decided to start it and what, it, what is Insect exactly? What does it do? Sure. Well, so wh- why I started, so when I left Progresso, I, I thought, you know, when, when I started Progresso, as I mentioned, I knew that there's this big gap in terms of opportunity and credit in America. And I specifically apply that to my community, the Latino community I grew up in. I wanted to make a difference there. But as I was building Progress, I realized, and, and really after I left, that, you know, with the onset of all the regulation in the banking community, the, the market just got a lot bigger. Uh, basically, that the number of people who in this country would have a hard time getting credit from a bank just, you know, uh, you know quadruple because, because, you know, Dodd-Frank, the Credit Card Act, all the ensuing regulation just made it a lot harder whether that was mortgage, consumer credit, unsecured uh, personal loans, 
just made it a lot harder for banks and all the capital requirements to be able to lend, specifically if you're talking about, you know, everyday Americans, hardworking folks who may not have the best credit histories or may not have any credit history. Coming out of the crisis, they were going to have a really hard time. And so I thought, you know, hey, I really care about, you know, helping everyone, not just, you know, the Latino community, but but expanding this to everyone, you know, and this is just a bigger opportunity and it's a bigger need. But, you know, how do we go about building something like that that scales, you know, a lot faster than what I had done before and with a lot less cost? How can we use more of a technology approach to, to the future? Uh, and that's that's where how Inseek was born. So Inseek was born out of kind of a realization that I had. I said, you know, because banks are going to have a hard time providing this credit and this capital, I think big brands in America are going to step forward and say, you know what, this is my customer. I care about them. I want them to have a great experience, and they have a need, and I'm going to step in and try and fill that need. Uh, and that need is, you know, credit. And so, you know, I, I believe that, hey, you know, the transformation we're going to see is that brands are going to start being the lenders of tomorrow uh, and not banks. And so I thought, you know, how do we build a technology that can help, you know, power that transformation? And really that's what InSeq's about. So at its core, InSeq is a, we provide a white label loan origination platform. We call it lending as a service that brands can use so we can help them make loans to their customers. And then the other side of InSeq is I also think that there's, millions of people in America who want to be part of, you know, who are principled investors and want to be part of helping this problem in America. So they want to be part of getting capital out to communities who need it the most. So how can we create an investing product for them that's an everyday product and open that up for them to invest in? So those are the two sides of what we're doing at InSeq is we're enabling brands to be the lenders of tomorrow through this lending as a service approach and technology and we're also allowing more people in America to be able to invest in those loans made to those promising individuals that we give loans to uh, using kind of a securitization model. Right, right. Okay, so let's just let's talk a bit about that lending as a service because I know you're the one that really coined that term. It's been used a little bit, uh, you know, quite a bit this year. And there are many people, myself included, who, who think that this really is the way of the future, when, particularly when it comes to brands or even smaller, you know, smaller banks, um, what, what have you. So can you just describe, and I know you talked a little bit about it, but just go in a little bit more detail with if I am a major brand and I want to, uh, you know, maybe you could provide an example. Um, if I'm a major brand, why, why should I go to you and instead of maybe partnering with, I don't know, like a lending club or a Prosper and just kind of, yeah, because those, those companies obviously have all sorts of different partnerships. Why, why go through you and, and really have this white label solution? What is, what advantages does it give? Well, so number one on the lending as a service model, uh, I think it's powerful because, because companies, you already have customers, they have data on those customers. And they want to try and use both of those to open up credit. And so, but they want to do it in a way that keeps their brand intact and, and is clear that they're offering it to the customer and it's just powered by someone else. And so I think that's the first thing we do. Our, our program is fully white label, meaning that when the customer is meant so that when the, there's no brand conflict, so when the customer interacts with that partner, 
you know, that partner doesn't have any risk of losing that customer and it knows that they're building loyalty and brand identity with that customer for all of their products, this right. being the new product. But that, you know, they're, they're really thinking about, you know, if it's a consumer brand, lifetime value and loyalty and retention. And so we, we're very focused on making sure we're powering the brands that already exist and we want them to be more successful with their existing customers. The second uh, thing that I think makes us different is, different, you know, different is who we focus on. Uh, I think, you know, since you mentioned them, Prosper and Lenico, I think they're great models, very innovative companies, and, you know, they've, they've stuck out a focus on, you know, kind of the, the prime, super prime segments in America, and I think they're, you know, they're good at what they do. We have a specialty that's, you know, really working with brands that know that their customers are harder to be, they're harder to prove. And they know that banks have a harder time approving them, and they know that some of the leading lenders in the country will have a harder time approving them because they're customers who don't have as much credit history or, you know, have poor credit. And so they need to find a partner that can still approve their customer, but also give them a noble product. So I think they're also quite keen on making sure that the end product the customers get is one that's empowering, that's noble, that reports credit that meets a lot of the new standards that are being set on lending uh, and can make them feel like proud uh, of, you know, of what they're giving their customer. Right. Okay. Now that makes sense. I, I get that. So have you, I, mean, I guess, firstly, when did you really launch this or have you launched it yet? Have you, do, do you have any, uh, any clients as of today that are using your white label service? We do. We haven't been as public about it as you know, Peter, mm-hmm. uh, but we have five partners, brands that are in market. Our first partner we launched uh, almost a year ago. Um, we spent a lot of time building the technology because I think, you know, just to add a third point, what makes it different is, you know, I think, you know, when I, I built a company before that was a consumer brand and you're very focused on supporting everything around reinforcing that. When you have to build a company that's more of supporting someone else's brand and customer experience, I think the way you build the technology is very different. Um, the way you build, you know, your scoring, the way you, you build kind of the whole company. And so uh, I think it would have been very hard to have done this, uh, at least speaking from my prior life, in that context. And so, so, so you know, in, in that regard, I, I think we've got something that's quite unique. To, to answer your question, we have five partners that we are currently powering. Uh, we have made, you know, thousands of loans, thousands of credit applications have come through in a short period. We're very excited with the growth. Uh, you know, we've been, you know, kind of uniquely focused on uh, making sure our partners are successful. So we spend more, you know, a lot of time doing that. We probably, you know, as you might be indicating, you should spend a little bit more time talking about what we're doing and who our partners are because we certainly want to bring in more. But right now, you know, we, we kind of focused on, hey, let's, let's build an initial platform and let's really listen to our, uh, you know, initial, you know, brands and partners and make sure that we're building, you know, software technology and, and, and the approach that works for them. And the nice thing is we always give them an a la carte menu. So we say, look, you know, if you, one of those things is we can be the licensed lender, we're the balance sheet, we'll fund all the loans. You know, we'll do, we're doing all the technology and processing. We'll handle all the payments. So there's like this long list of, you know, all car menu that they can have. And we always tell them you can hit select all, or you can kind of go in and check off the things that you want to do. So I think, you know, one other aspect that, you know, makes this difference very flexible. We found some partners who actually want to have more 
equity or skin in the game and the program. They kind of want to make it more JV-ish, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how they structure it. And so we have the flexibility to do that as well. We have the flexibility to take things off the list if they, for example, want to fund the loans. You know, I think one thing that makes it different, though, is that we are willing to do the balance sheet and uh, and take all the risk. And so far, when we offer that up, I don't think we found anyone who has objected, as, as I think most brands don't don't want to be in the balance sheet business. Right. Yeah. No, that's understandable. So then who are funding the loans ultimately? I mean, who do you have a, a credit line? Do you have a bunch of investors you work with? Who's on the other side of this transaction? Yeah, so I was on a panel yesterday with Aaron, you know, Vermouth and Prosper, and I think he said it appropriately. You know, marketplace lending is really about how you fund your loans. And, you know, are you having more than one, you know, kind of provider? Are you trying to build a marketplace of, of, of investors? So to answer your question, we believe in that. And I think really what uh, Prosper and Lending Club started is, is tremendous innovation on, on how you, you know, have the law of large numbers and, and, and kind of have multiple parties funding loans and, and you reduce risk by having diversification. Uh, the one thing that makes us different is uh, instead of having investors buy whole loans or invest in fractional interest of loans from us, we think in the long run, they're going to have, you know, lower volatility outcomes, losses, higher higher certainty of, of certain coupons and yields by by structuring everything as securitization. So all the loans that we make, we pull them together by partner and we securitize those and then offer, we're effectively then selling bonds and having investors buy into those bonds. And so we still want a marketplace of investors. We just think that the product they buy at the end of the day is a bond and not the underlying loan. And by pooling loans, you know, you get more diversification. Uh, you take out, you know, the kind of outliers, uh, et cetera. So you know, and then they also get skin in the game as we we're investing at the bottom in the equity of all the pools that we're being securitized. So they know that you know we're we're aligned with with their outcomes. I think you know coming back into you know your your specific question. So when we make loans, we do use credit lines. We have over a hundred million of credit lines that we've secured from various parties. And then you know when we think those loans have seasoned long enough, and it, and we feel very comfortable about the direction of those loss rates, uh, we then securitize them to a marketplace of investors. Right. Now, I, I want to talk about that for a bit because this is a pretty unique thing that you're, you're offering to the community. You, know, I'm, I'm, you go onto your website and you have your in-seeked market where, I mean, right now there's, there's a bunch of Prosper loans or they're, not, I mean, they're pools, I guess. They're not, they're not loans. Um, pools of loans that, that have uh, a certain a certain age and a certain coupon. And right now it looks like you're only offering Prosper and Lending Club at least publicly on your on your website. So I guess for, for, for like so let's just back up. So let's just talk a little bit about what you're offering, who you're trying to target when it comes to investors. Are these individual accredited investors you're trying to target funds, people, particularly to start off with the Prosper and Lending Club loans that you have on on your site right now. Yeah, so the idea is to make securitization and you know done the right way. And so what you're seeing on our website is I think criticism of, of securitization, the last crisis is some people bought, didn't know what they were buying. They didn't know what was, when you look through the bond that you're buying, what's, what are all the loans that are collateralizing that bond and, and what's the quality of those loans and, and how do they break out? How are they performing? 
So, you know, just one thing on our website, as you mentioned, if you click on uh, on our market page, if you click on any of those of those debt securities and you click on those, you'll get to all of the underlying loans that are collateralizing that uh, bond or trust certificate. And, and that effectively, we think, you know, put, puts a lot of the practices that were done before on its head and kind of says, look, you know, we believe in 100% transparency, trying to make this simple, but giving people loan level data. So that's really important to us, you know, in terms of, you know, Prosper Lending Club and, and who we're targeting. So we're targeting individual credit investors, Peter. We're also, you know, we also realize that there's a lot of funds who are also interested. So it's institutional and, you know, getting a portion of those 9 million individual credit investors across the country. And, you know, the thinking there is, you know, in, it, it, it currently in the securitization market, you have the same 100 to 200 buyers. They're very large asset managers, insurance companies, and they always show up to buy, you know, into all securitizations. And there's really no distribution that's been built or established to, you know, you know, tens of thousands of other investors in, in the country and globally who are sitting in a similar position saying, look, I have X, X percent of my assets in cash and in treasuries, and I'm only earning, I'm earning nothing or I'm earning close to nothing. But, you know, I, I feel good about it because I've got the security of knowing, you know, I'm not going to lose my principal really. But, you know, is there anything else I can invest in that uh, I care about two things that, you know, I feel like the risk is, is, is mitigated. I feel like, you know, there's, it's short duration. So it's very short. If, if I have to hold this a bond or, you know, security for, you know, to maturity, it's not going to be 30 years. It could be one year. And I, I feel comfortable doing that, taking one year risk, you know, and also I'm getting compensated in a way that's significantly different from anything else in the market. You know, we have, uh, what you're seeing on our website is we have trust certificates that pay a fixed coupon. And so they act like bonds and they, uh, you know, you're seeing coupons of four to 12%. And those durations are going to be between one year and, you know, and two years. And so you kind of look, well, what else can I buy that is that short of a duration that's giving me that kind of coupon and yield? And, you know, you'd have a real hard time finding that. So we believe that that need, coupled with the need to be principled and say, look, who are these loans ultimately going to? And am I helping America? Am I helping people move up the ladder? And if I can do that, plus achieve my financial and investing objectives, this is a great new product. And so we want to open that product up to, you know, all of the accredited investors, family offices, and also some institutions across the country that currently securitization is not an everyday product, investing product. Mm-hmm. We want it to be. So right. that's our vision. Okay. So what is, the, what is the minimum of an investor, an accredited investor is listening and they want to give this a try? What is the minimum you will, uh, you will take? Yeah, so historically for us, it's been 50,000. You know, I think um, we've, we may have moved that up to 100, but, but you know, historically we've had 50,000 being kind of the minimum. And there's two things investors can do. They can buy these trust certificates directly, or they can, uh, we also set up a family of funds. So we have, now have a family of in-seek funds that investors can invest in those funds. You can think of them as like index funds, and those funds will buy across all of our securitizations. You know, we had a couple of investors tell us, you know, look, this is great, and we understand in the future, you know, you're, you want to be doing a securitization a week. So that's a new issuance of, of uh, bonds or trust certificates that we can buy. 
but you know, I, I've got a busy life and you know, it's going to be hard for me to log on and, and want to participate you know, every week. Do you have kind of like an index fund that I can invest in, put more capital in, and then that fund can invest me across all of the securitizations according to specific strategies? Mm-hmm. So every securitization we do has kind of three tranches. Uh, there's a senior tranche, which is the, the lowest risk of the three, and then there's a junior tranche, which is the mezzanine, and then there's the final tranche, which is the equity, and we, the company, are always the equity owner, and, and you know, if there's any impairment in the collateral and ultimately in the bonds, the equity would lose the money, it would lose the money first, followed by the mezzanine and the senior, so the senior and the mezzanine have more protection knowing that there's equity below them, the senior has protection knowing that there's a mezzanine and equity below them. And so those are the, the three, you know, type, those are the two securities you can buy, the senior, which we call the class A, and the junior, which is the class B. And we have funds that will only buy the A or only buy the B. And so far, that's been, that's been a, a good strategy. If you want to dial up or down risk return, you can, you know, you can look between the A and the B and get a fixed coupon. And so our website uh, shows all the cash flows, uh, you know, of all the prior uh, bonds and how they're cash flowing every month, how they're paying interest in principal, you know, we, the funds are all the information's online. You can go and check out our funds. You can see exactly what the yields have been, uh, how many securitizations. You can see all the master servicer reports. The goal here, again, has been a 100% transparency. Mm-hmm. How do we bring that as the norm to do securitization the right way? So that that's what we've been doing. And uh, we started with Prosper and Lending Club, and they've been great partners with us. You know, we had some great risk people on our team. We said, hey, you know, until our white label starts to really build, we want to build this securitization marketplace. And, you know, in partnership with Prosper Lending Club, we've been able to selectively find loans there and then, you know, buy those loans and securitize those loans through our platform to give investors an early proof of concept as to the kind of opportunity they would have. And our goal is to, you know, help investors do well now, make money on those underlying loans, be happy with the risk return and all the reporting that comes through our website. And then what we'll have coming starting probably mid-next year is we'll be doing our first securitizations of our uh, our loans that we're uh, making through our lending as a service platform. So you said, when did you say, like middle of next year, did you say? Or when when do you think? Yeah, what we want to do there is we want to give those loans more time to season and just be really sure about Mm -hmm. loss rates. You know, we've got our own you know, kind of, you know, equity invested in all of our securitization. So we want to make sure most important thing for us is to have a, a reputation for high quality assets. Right. Uh, we did that at Progresso. You know, we, we built an incredible, uh, you know, risk results and incredible story and reputation around, you know, underwriting. And so we want to make sure that uh, any anytime anyone buys anything from us, they have a good experience. Right. Now yeah, that makes sense. So um, before I let you go, I want to just talk about you're also on your website is this my CRO product and you've got you've really done a lot of work here in you know providing in you know just basically statistics charts information for investors can you just tell us a little bit about what the goal is with the CRO and what what actually my CRO and what what it is absolutely we're very proud of this so when I was uh, running Progresso opportune we had a whole team of analytics and risk people that every month would cut, you know, what you would call inside the lending side, a loan tape. So all the loans that you've made at the end of every month, you're looking at all the borrower payments, et cetera, and you're taking that data and you're producing graphs on loss curves. So you're looking at, you know, your 
cumulative loss curves by vintage, you know, so like, hey, how, how is uh, May 2014 performing? And every month that's outstanding is an additional month on book. So you're starting to, you know, graph, you know, is that heading for an 8% loss rate? Is it heading for a 5% or 10? And then is, is June, the month after May, is that, is that coming out lower than the 8% that May looks like it's heading to? And if so, it looks like I'm getting better. Right. And so you want you really want a lot of good analytics at the end of every month as to how things are performing. But you need to kind of graph things in a way to then make it digestible. And so as we're seeing, there's a lot of information out there about, you know, loans and and kind of general information about loss rates. But no one has really digested it in a way where if you had your own internal risk team, you would do for internal reports. And so my CRO means my chief risk officer. And so what we want is we want that to be a brand that stands for, hey, if you had to have your own chief risk officer and team, you know, kind of, you know, take these loan tapes and turn them into graphs and digestible information so that you can evaluate uh, risk and loss performance and you can understand credit and how risk is performing much easier with the click of a button. And then you can go and, and, and click through, well, actually, now I want to see first payment default. So the loans that I just made, Last month, I want to see how many of those have missed their first payment. I want to look at 30-day delinquencies. Uh, I want to look a little bit earlier in the life of my more recent loans. Or I want to go back all the way to 2008 and see how did the loans perform during a crisis and how bad did things get. I want to go and I want to compare that across platforms. You know, those are the kind of tools that we wanted to enable folks to have back to this theme of 100% transparency. So. Right now, we've got in my CRO, uh, and we've got some nice compliments from our partners about this uh, at Lending Club and Prosper, but we've sort of loaded a lot of their data. We know a lot of their data is all publicly available, and, and there's a lot of other sites that have kind of taken a crack at trying to present that in a way that's more meaningful. We, we took a crack at it from, hey, how do guys who manage risk think about this, and what do we want to see? And that's what my CRO is. So we're very proud of that, and I would encourage everybody to go take a look at that. In the future, we want you know people to be able to upload their own loans and, 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 and use MyCRO as a tool that helps them at the end of every month you know keep track of performance. We think this could be a tool for the industry as well. You know, there's a lot of investment banks who are making warehouse lines and are also doing securitizations for issuers of loans, and they have to do this process every month with a team of analysts, and we think we can be the, the source and the go-to source for the industry for that. So that's what my CRO is. And then my CIO, as you mentioned, is kind of the, the opposite of that, which is my chief investment officer. And that's meant to keep track of if you bought the bonds, because the loans are covered in my CRO. How are the underlying loans performing? Including in my CRO, you can see all of our securitizations and you can track, okay, if we said this securitization was going to have what we think was an 8%, forecasted loss rate, you know, uh, over th- after 36 months on a, on a cum- cumulative loss basis, you know, are we, are we on track? You know, so you can also plot my CRO, the actual versus forecast, you know, in a graphical way, a- in a way that makes it really easy. If you bought the bonds and you just look at that graph and you know the actual is like right on track with the forecast, then you don't have any reason to worry about any impairment in your bond and you can go on about your day. And so my CIO takes that and says, okay, now let's look at these bonds and let's look at what they're yielding. And let's also do a red light, green light display to say, okay, 
if there's a problem in the underlying loans, I'm going to see a red light. If it's yellow, it's somewhere in the middle. If it's green, I don't even need to worry about it. And so my CIO kind of looks more at the cash flows of the bonds. It looks at the yields, the returns, has all the master servicer reports. So my CIO is more of, you know, if you buy, if you're an investor in our funds or any of these securitizations, you know, you're going to start with my CIO and there's a great dashboard there. But then if you ultimately want to look through and get down to the details of how the underlying loans are performing, then you go to my CRO. Okay. Well, that's uh, it's fascinating. I'd love to delve into this a lot more, but we're, we're pretty much out of time. Just just one one final question you know, before I let you go. And just, you know, you, you've got a lot on your plate here. It's it's pretty clear that you're, you know, you're really doing a lot of innovative stuff. So I guess what I'm, what I'm curious about is where do you think you know, your company is going when it comes to like, is lending as a service, is this something that we will see in five or 10 years time? Will this just be every, like all the major brands are doing it, everything's doing it. I know you've, you're obviously, you're very bullish about it. You've spent a lot of time doing it, but I'm just curious to know what you think. Do you see this as a niche play that is, is really going to have a decent market, but it's not going to like transform? Or do you really think that, you know, Inseek can be a, you know, a multi-billion dollar company with that's really a huge part of the lending landscape and lending as a service is going to be something that everybody does? Well, uh, Peter, I, I think this is going to be massive. First of all, I think um, because of all the change in regulation, let's start with non-bank lenders are going to rule the day because it's going to be harder for banks to provide capital. So I think the whole surge in alternative lending I think there'll be some winners and losers, but that the overall the space is just going to continue to grow. Uh, as part of that, lending as a service, I think, is the future because there's, there's, you know, everyone's fighting for, you know, channels of acquisition of customer. Cost of acquisition is probably going up across the industry because of all the new entrants. Uh, and lending as a service is a way of, of powering someone else to get in front of that customer who already has a relationship, already has the data, and they want to be part of the solution. And we're seeing that. We're being approached by a lot of companies who say, you know, that's what we want. Uh, we just don't want to be in the balance sheet business. We want to outsource these parts to you, but we want to be able to be part of this solution. And I think that is the next wave. So can that be billions of dollars plus? Absolutely. Um, we're, we're trying to, our goal is we want to have access to thousands and thousands of, of locations across the company and millions of customers through our partners you know, really focused on the segments we mentioned, I mentioned earlier. And, you know, a question I always get too is, well, where do the blanks, where do the banks play out in all of this? And frankly, we think the banks can be part of lending as a service as well. And, you know, one thing we, as you know, we've just announced that we're very proud of is we partnered up with BBVA Compass Bank. Um, BBVA made a, an investment in our company and we partnered up with the bank that they that they have in the United States called Compass Bank, which has been very successful, has almost 700 branches. And we're now, we've announced that we're doing a partnership with them where we're live in several of their branches. They're using our platform, their bankers and their stores are using our platform to make loans to their customers and give them uh, very responsible small dollar loans. That, I think, gives you a signal as to what the future is going to be about. Not only will there be brands partnering with, you know, lending as a service models like InSeq, and I think, you know, you've seen, you know, Cabbage, and I think you've seen um, a few others uh, announce, you know, kind of some white label uh, partnerships. 
But, you know, I think also banks are going to be doing the same thing and banks are going to be partnering with innovators to uh, make sure they're serving all customers. And uh, we're very proud to be powering that transformation. And, you know, when we get into thousands of locations and we're, you know, powering lending across the landscape, you know, where customers are touching us at different points and, you know, they find out that, you know, we're powering all that lending, I think that's absolutely multi-billion and, you know, something that, you know, we named our company Insight. I'm not Swedish. It's a Swedish word. My wife is a Swedish one, and uh, uh, but it means um, Insight. And that is because as we have all these locations and distribution and partnerships, we're getting tremendous insights on the credit data that we can use to power more and more partnerships. And so that's the network effect, and I think that's multi-billion. Okay, well, it's a, it's a it's a really it's a fascinating idea. You've got a you've got a great company there, James. I I very much appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Peter. I we really appreciate it as well, and I look forward to uh, to working with you in the future. Okay, thanks, James. See ya. Well, I know we've gone over time, but I certainly didn't want to cut James off there at all. That was a fascinating conversation. And I think they're, they're doing so many interesting things in so many fronts. The lending as a service piece is very compelling. And on the investor side, what they're doing, they're doing things that no one's ever done. Um, no one's created these sort of bond-like instruments that uh, is available just for accredited investors. You can choose your coupon, you can choose your duration, and away you go. That's different. There's certainly a company to watch. I'm glad we were able to get James on the show. We've been trying to get him on the show now for almost a year, but uh, certainly I think lived up to my expectations and uh, hope you learned a great deal. On that note, I will sign off. Thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye.